Whoops, my bad. Accidentally did not record for two months, a month and a half, two months, somewhere around there. Uh, I moved houses. I read a bunch of bunk-ass books that I did not feel like reviewing. And I've just been... My mic quit working. I did record an episode with the guest, unreleased. Um, my bad. But we're just going to go right into part three of the podcast, which is gothic fiction. Which is fitting because it's the month of October. Things are getting very spooky around here. And uh, I feel like reading some scary books. So that's going to be anything horror, anything spooky, anything death related. That has that feel of the gothic fiction. I'm going to try and read it this month. Um, so I wanted to start October off with this book. The Life and Death of My Lord Gilles de Ray. I don't care if I'm pronouncing his name right or wrong. That's how I'm going to pronounce it. Um, and it's by Robert Nye. N-Y-E. I actually read this book in September just for fun, uh, not expecting to talk about it or to want to talk about it on the pod, but I ended up enjoying it way more than I was expecting to, um, which is, that's always the best when it comes to books. I have no idea where I read about this book. I barely even remember getting this book. I don't remember where I got it from, but I'm glad I did, and it, it fits the uh, horror fiction theme of October, so I figured, why not just do this book now? Um I would say it's not technically maybe gothic fiction in the same vein as when you think of Dracula, Frankenstein, Jekyll and Hyde, that kind of stuff. It's more historical fiction with a, a horror bent. And it's about this incredibly rich uh, French noble slash knight who was the right-hand man of Joan of Arc. And this man really it did exist, and much of this book is historically accurate and based in fact in so far as the setting and the big events and the characters all go but the main focus is the enigmatic Gilles de Ray and his life after the death of Joan of Arc and what fascinated me about this book is Robert Nye's skillful blending of the, the factual parts of the story and the fictional parts of the story. And he has this ability to create the book where I found myself so, I hate to say the word, immersed, because it's so trite when it comes to book reviews. But most of the books I've been reading, I've been reading them from a distance, so to say. So I can distance myself from the characters and the setting and the time period and enjoy them as a looker-on. That was not the case with Gilles de Ray. I, I found myself actually feeling like I was in the chateaus, talking amongst the priests taking part in the rituals, and that's rare for my reading style, and for this book, I particularly enjoyed it. And if the writer does a good enough job, like Robert and I does in this book, when the fantastical stuff actually does happen, the fiction-y part of the book, you stay present, so that's what I mean by his skillful blending. And a, a bit about Gilles de Ray, the character himself, uh, like I said, affluent... Uh, superseding affluent even he owns thousands of acres of land and dozens of chateaus around france and he's got like thousands of people in his payroll and he is a self-proclaimed devout christian um the book is actually told through the narration of a priest father eustache probably botching that pronunciation who cares and the priest uh, basically lionizes gilles de ray to a point well, the title of the book is called The Life and Death of My Lord, Gilles de Ray. So the priest, he hiked for days, it might have been weeks even, and he waited for months for Gilles de Ray to return to his main chateau. And when he finally arrives, the first thing Gilles de Ray says to him is, 
I am the perfect Christian. Which, if you think about it, is kind of mystifying. Uh, In a vacuum, it makes sense. I mean, you hear a lot of, oh, they're perfect together. My puppy is perfect. And you hear he or she, they're a good Christian. Uh, Oh, you're being a bad Christian, but I am a perfect Christian. I've never heard it before. And especially in the context of them being alone, they were alone in this dimly lit chapel. Uh, Father Eustace was praying, and then he just looks up and sees Gilles de Ray and hears, I am a perfect Christian. Um, it's one of those things that it's eerie in and of itself because we don't really fully understand <laughs> the phrasing because we've distanced ourselves from it so much. And that's partially because if someone uh, is making it a point to say that they're a perfect Christian, they're almost certainly not a perfect Christian uh, if, if such a thing even exists. In fact, I would insist in the opposite direction. And as soon as I heard this part of the book, I knew that's where Robert and I was going to take it, in the opposite direction. So I don't want to get hung up on that part of him saying, I'm a perfect Christian. It just kind of struck me. It was the first part of the book that kind of whoa, woke me up and struck me. I was like, okay, we've got something interesting here. Um, and it, it was foreshadowing. Uh, once you read along, like, Someone saying, I'm a perfect Christian is when you meet someone and they're like, hey, I don't steal money. You can, <laughs> you can rest be assured that person probably steals money or has stole money. Um, but it was, a, it was a foreshadow into Gilles de Ray's foray into the, the dark arts, if you will. And little by little, it's revealed that not only is Gilles de Ray uh, not exactly a shining beacon of morality, but he is involved with this sort of underworld of sorts, of crime, and he gets into alchemy, which in 1400s France is like, I don't know, satanic, basically, Uh, which, funny enough, he is also into satanic rituals, summoning demons, that sort of stuff that goes down in the night, which I also noticed was a central theme of the book, which is dichotomies, day and night. So by day, Gilles de Ray is, by all accounts, a presentable well-behaved nobleman putting on plays, praying. He welcomes guests into his chateaus for free. And then as soon as the sun sets and at night, he's summoning Satan and doing blood rituals. So there's the dichotomy of day and night, the perfect Christian versus the satanic, the Satan worshiper, the shining knight, the blood-bedewed alchemist. And this is another reason why I was so engrossed in this book for whatever reason i'm enthralled by these dichotomies and i i suspect it's a human phenomenon it's not you know i'm not alone here when i'm interested in these dichotomies we've seen it throughout all of history but the juxtapositions of good and evil historical and fiction even uh day and night holy and cursed uh they're more often than not peeking to me and they're just masterfully presented in this book. Even the little scenes, there's a snake coming out of a well that's crawling towards the priest. That one stuck out to me. Um, I don't know, it's just very enthralling to me. And often it's presented, when you see these dichotomies and stories and and writing, they're presented as this in movies too. Um, It's like one part of the dichotomy is veiled by the other part of the dichotomy, and that's like the lens through which we analyze it. So... I don't know, the best example I can think of is if you're stealing food to feed the poor. Okay, the dichotomy here is good versus evil. Um, you're doing evil. This stealing is pretty much 
accept it as doing evil to serve a greater good, which is helping out the poor. That's the dichotomy, and that's the lens through which we we view it. But Gilles de Ray, he breaks no bones about his nighttime evils, and it's somewhat refreshing to see these dichotomies presented in this way. And while thinking about these dichotomies and searching for the right drink to accompany this episode, I, uh, I found this stout, which I opened at the beginning episode. It's called Ichigo Stout. And there's two dichotomies at play here, <laughs> which interested me. And one is the label of the actual beer. And I will post a picture of this on the Books Plus Booze Instagram, at Books Plus Booze. Make me famous, please. <laughs> but the label of the beer is like, in this shiny metallic gold, there's this, what appears to be a blindfolded uh, martial arts practitioner with nunchucks, waving them in the air. And then right behind him is another shiny metallic ninja star on top of a pagoda looking thing. And then the background, the background is just like flat black. And it's very appealing to the eye. And it literally caught my eye when I was looking at, you know, the shelves of craft beer and i was like that's pretty cool the other dichotomy this is a japanese premium import as it says on the bottle um i've never seen a japanese stout before and when you think of you know stereotypical japanese drinks sake which is like rice wine very light and even the when they when you do think of japanese beer it's that light lager that they have if you go to sushi restaurants you'll find that so i thought it was interesting there's a japanese stout So there you go. That's how that book ties in. You probably didn't think when I was presenting a book about 1400s France and the noblemen that we, I would be drinking a Japanese stout, but here we are. And as I drink this stout, I per- I personally can enjoy it, but uh, I know that these heavy dark stouts can be polarizing and th- those deep nutty roasty notes are too much for some people. And the same can be said for uh, this book, Jill, uh, The Life and Death of My Lord, Gilles de Ray. There are a lot of details, particularly towards the end of this book, that are perverse. Uh, and they definitely are not for the faint of heart or the faint of mind. But ultimately, Gilles de Ray, his voyage through cruelty and heresy, it kind of snowballs into a kidnapping and maybe murder front on quite a large scale. So if you're into crime, serial killers, that kind of stuff, this is your book. Uh, And this is horror fiction we're talking about, so it's not all sunshine and rainbows. So um, I was expecting this, especially if you read the back of the book. It is a terrifyingly compelling tale of pure evil, corrupted goodness, and cowardice in the face of horror. Um, Yep, so as far as storytelling goes, exceptional writing. I mentioned before that spectrum where you have character mood plot that kind of stuff this is maxed out in the plot very very good uh, storytelling character arcs that are fulfilling and colorful settings uh, you've got mythical omens importance and that theme of dichotomies which just scratches that itch for me if i had to rate it, i'd give it 4.4 out of 5 i believe in the platonic uh ideal there is no perfect five so is an exceptional score, and I think this will be my new, kind of how I close episodes. Give it a X out of 5 star rating. Um, I know this is a short episode, but I just wanted to get back into the swing of things. Um, Highly recommend this book if you are at all attracted to the dark arts 
in the dark underbelly of what we see on the surface of society. Um, my next book, which I'm almost done reading as I record this episode, Frankenstein. I plan on doing Dracula after that, so we'll be hitting the big major gothic fiction books. Uh, thank you, a tune for your time. Don't you know Liddell wears a suit and tie? So I'm driving down to 61 in early July. Wide as a cotton feeling, sharp as a knife. I heard him howling as he passed me by. <laughs>